Hey folks, thank you for tuning into the Grad School Sucks podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Matthew Carlson, and each week I'll be bringing you conversations that will help grad students like you survive grad school and thrive in a post-grad school career. If you end up enjoying today's podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the description of this episode for links to everything that we talk about today. Without further ado, let's start the episode. Hey folks, welcome to the Grad School Sucks podcast. My name is Matt Carlson and I am your host and today I am interviewing Dr. Raul Pina. He is a senior lab manager at a university in Spain, and he conducts cancer and tumor research. He also runs the very popular social media account, Research Goes Slowly, where he posts a lot of content about what it's like to be a career scientist. I think you'll get a lot out of this episode, especially if you're interested in what it's like to be a career scientist, what university research is like outside of the United States, and what it's like to be a content creator in the science and academic space. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you all on the other side. Dr. Raul Pina, welcome to the podcast. You are Senior Lab Manager at the Hospital del Mar in Spain, and folks at home will know him from his Instagram channel, Research Goes Slowly. Was there anything that you wanted to add to my introduction so the folks at home can know a little bit more about you? I, uh, I work at last manager, I work also as a scientist, I have my own research line working on, on Kaposi sarcoma, on cancer, currently analyzing the role of tumor microenvironment in this tumor that is not pretty good to understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we are in close relation with doctors at the hospital and we make uh, basic research at the end. We are just analyzing Kaposi sarcoma is induced by a viral infection, and then this viral infection promotes overgrowth of endothelial cells or lymphatic cells, and then we are analyzing how these cells also are entering into a mesenchymal program, and how these cells relationate with other cells in the normal skin to activate and to promote tumor growth or to block tumor growth, and we are... This is what we do in the lab mainly yeah. in different cancer types and sometimes focuses more in metastasis than in the promotion of growth, but in general what we do in the lab with these several tumor models. It's awesome. What got you into cancer research? I think everybody has a complex history. But I do my sure. PhD in nuclear to cytoplasmic to nucleus to cytoplasma transport, okay? Mm. In the University of País Vasco in the in the north of Spain. And then I moved to Barcelona. And then I started a postdoc in development. I always loved development since I have studied my bachelor's. I love development, how one cell can switch the program totally and can differentiate in in skin or in an eye or in a neuron. I I love that part. And then I stayed there in that postdoc here also in Barcelona for a couple of years. And I had to say that we work a lot, we produce a lot. But then arrived a moment in which I don't see myself doing that, <laughs> that hard work for the rest of my life. I think that is a crisis that everybody has in research, before or after. And at that moment, I, I just quit the, that postdoc work. I, 
be honest and go one day to my boss and say, Melissa, sorry, but I, I don't see myself working on this 10 years later because it's time-consuming work. Uh, during the weekend, I have to think about the experiments, have to read, and then I need my time to be relaxed. And then at that moment, a friend of me that was working lab close to mine in there, in the, my postdoc institution, sent me the offer from here, from Antonio, from my boss, from Hospital del Mar, and she said, oh, yeah, Raul, maybe this offer fits to you, because mm. Antonio is like having a big lab, and then he, he doesn't want to be in charge of this part of organization of the lab, management of the orders, of the contracts, or he's just, he wants just focus on the research and the project and the money and that's it. And that other stuff related with the research doesn't want to say, okay, and then he's looking for a doctor, old guy, a little bit old guy that with a basic sense what is happening in the business to manage this part of the of the lab. And I say, okay, I will try. And then he hired me and I have been here from 2007. So I have been almost 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of years. And then he studied cancer. So I entered directly in the cancer without knowing anything about cancer. And then during the lab meetings, the people explain their cancer projects. They, topics and I, I have start to read about it and then learn a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. I think it's time. Learning is time at the end. Yes, you, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome that you found out about the job through, through a friend, like through your yeah, professional yeah, network. Yeah. I would say that it's pretty usual in science, no? Yeah. Colleagues recommend you to another lab and then that lab thrusts in your colleagues and then you have like networking. No? At the end is networking. Here work many times in this is this sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you mentioned the lab has gotten smaller over yeah. the years, but it used to be pretty big. What is it like to lead a really big lab? I mean, depends. I have been my lab when I started. It has like eighteen to 20, 22 people, and then without the bosses, because we have three different bosses at that time, with different BIs, you know, supervisors. And then I, my lab start, continues with more or less that people are more or less maybe 10 years. And then I have to say that the difficult part is that it's having everybody happy. Mm. When we are a big lab, but everybody was happy. Nobody was fighting to any other lab mate. Sure. Everything is fine. Everything is happy and any problem can be solved with any problem, with any delay and any problem and then with any suffering to anybody, you know? But also I have been during the long time with, with times with some part of the lab don't fit with other part of the lab. And then you create like, I will not say secta and ghettos or whatever you can call it. And that parts are difficult to handle because it's part as you can feel that you prefer the other part and then you favor the other part sometimes and then the stupid things that who use that centrifuge, who let this um, broken thing, who let this sure. thing in the lab, creates situations that can be solved in seconds, but as the lab is quite a little bit polarized, mm -hmm. 
create like a ball, a ball, a ball, and then you get this what's happening here, you know? Also, have a big laugh has many issues, at least in Spain, I would say everywhere, but at least in Spain, with bureaucracy. You have to solve many bureaucracies, uh, with contracts, with orders, with project management, with justification of the projects, and then we have, I have to do a lot of work on this. And this work is, was done half by the supervisor and half for me, depend which type of, and then you, you have to spend a lot of time on this. And I think that the good idea with Big Lab is establish rules that everybody feels that they own rules, and then the lab manager or the technicians be in charge that the rules should be followed for everybody. But I think that the best situation is when you, and I did several times yeah, along that year, this just creates meetings just to discuss the rules mm -hmm. and the organization. And let everybody say whatever they feel could be improved. And yeah. then any idea from any student, any postdoc, any boss, any supervisor, I think that should be implemented just in case that idea is better than the system that you are using at that moment. Because maybe even the, the most new student can solve or can tune any process in a simplistic way and everything is happy. And I think it's the best. And also we handle many times with lack of funding. Sure. In yeah. Spain and everywhere you have, you have years with many funding and other years with few funding. And when we enter in, in process in, in, in times with few funding, I always say the same to the boss. Let's do a couple of meetings just to explain economy to people, lab economy, research economy to people, to allow people to know how expensive it is, how we have to rationalize, rationalize the, the, the spends of the lab. How mm -hmm. We can to prioritize, prioritize some experiments, but not others that are quite expensive. And how we handle this few money to all these big labs. And when the people is involved in this process, I think that everything goes fine. But the problem is when you go as a manager, new lab manager, old lab manager, and say, and guy comes and say, okay, you have to do that. Because we work in this manner, and we are not flexible at all. And then it doesn't work, nothing works. So it's like with new people, you say, okay, we try to do that in this manner, try to adapt to that. If not, probably you came with your own ideas from, from bachelors, from other labs, and maybe you say, okay, but in my other life, we do that in a slightly different manner, and it works better. And they say, okay, why don't try? And then the people is involved in that. It's just to create a happy environment to people. So stressful is research by itself to also stress people with rules, with orders, with um, laws in the lab. So I try to avoid that part. And I, I used to be so flexible at all. I don't want to be scolding people or mm -hmm. getting, checking people if they do that or they don't do that. It's like create a fun environment. Everybody's happy and at the end everything works. More of the time, that's it. Not necessarily more. Yeah, that's awesome. Just one second, I'll be right back. Yeah, don't worry.
Sorry, something was making noise over there. So you've been in the research world for a number of years. Have you ever considered going to industry, working for like a company as a scientist, or do you like you like being where you are in the more academic side of things? In fact, I, I love academia in yeah. general. Despite all the things that are negative to that, and I, I agree to all the things, toxic environment, uh, lack of funding, uh, few salaries, but I love academia. I think that that freedom that promotes academia, for me, promotes creativity. And this freedom to choose what to do every day by myself, in general, depending on the lab, eh? I have to say that it depends a lot of the academic lab that you are, but at least in the lab I have been, I have been really free to do whatever I want. Mm. And then, for me, this freedom has no value. Also, in Spain, at the time I was PhD, new PhD, I had finished my, my thesis, we haven't too many possibilities to go to real industry positions. Mm -hmm. And then I also never get out of Spain, always make my research in Spain. So at that time, what's so difficult? And then I started in that in here in, in Hospital del Mar and really enjoyed my work and love my work. I mean, it's those I, I never thought seriously to move into private companies. I mean, yeah. they have some advantages. I mean, in terms of salaries, in terms of that your they respect your time schedule and then respect that you can do whatever out of your time. And in academia, you are always working on your experiment, thinking in your sure. experiment, hanging out with researchers and everything is like, uh, no, all together. No? But in fact, I'm happy. I'm happy. Maybe probably because the, the core of the, my years, I have been lab manager. And the technicians don't have that stress that researchers has, and it's totally different. The work of the of technician is a little bit more relaxed. So, but I'm fine where I am, really. Yeah, I, I will just need more money to my lab. Sure, sure. <laughs> to to really decide and don't get any reaction on any kind of experiment I can plan. Yeah, because science itself is so so expensive. Yeah, since you've been lab manager, what have been maybe like some highlights or some achievements or discoveries that have come out of your lab? Well, my lab, my boss, my actual boss, described a key seminar paper in, in epithelial to mesenchymal transition. He discovered, well, a PhD student of him, uh, publishes in 2000s, that snail one protein can be directly to ecadering repressor, to ecadering promoters, and repress the ecadering. And after that, uh, epithelial cells can transform it into mesenchymal, mesenchymal cells that promotes a gain of some traits within the cells, most of them related to mobility. Okay, so it's the manner in which most of the tissues during development most of the cells that are stacked in an epithelial layer can get out of this epithelial layer and move around and establish a new set of population of this epithelial layer. Okay, and then after that, they realize, although probably now is 
under discussion, <laughs> under discussion for many time ago, that this process, uh, epithelial to mesenchymal transition, is highly related to metastasis in cancer. It's assumed in general that epithelial cancer cell that want to go under metastasis and establish in another organ have to transform it or briefly or whatever we can define because this is depending on the supervisor will tell a different story but these epithelial cells need to transform it in mesenchymal mobile cell to go around the bloodstream or the lymphatic canals and establish in another organ and then turn back into epithelial cells and the first step of this is transfer this EMT and then there are many theories if a snail one is uh, the important protein is snail two is lamb cep one cep two there are many proteins that at the end work in similar manner than the snail and probably the choice that nobody rules and in for each different subtype of cancer or each different cancer type one of these proteins will rules and even probably maybe who knows any kind of epithelial cells without changing too much can move around as epithelial cells with a few traits of mesenchymal cell and move and establish all of them. So then what at the very beginning was a process related to development, transformate in a process related to cancer and then this process gained a lot of notoriety, funding and then many people is trying to block this process to, to avoid metastasis. It's like the if theoretically, theoretically, you could block this first step in within a cancer cell, uh, in a cancer in within a tumor, you probably will not have ever any kind of metastasis. And the point is that metastasis is the leading case of death in any cancer type. Everybody that in general dies due to metastasis within another organs, because when you have primary tumor and different organs with metastasis, we do have a systemic failure at the end, and then people die about that. Hmm. So this is the key discovery of my boss that is really, really new, now in the, in the field, in fact. We work on that protein, that process, and now a little bit because after that, well, was discovered that snail is also important in mesenchymal cells to be activated, to collaborate with cancer cells, to collaborate to healing, to collaborate to promote, to promote fibrosis, illness, and then at the end it's an important pro protein related to disease. And we start yeah. this process in general, just to block them, analyze them. But we do in a basic research perspective. We don't do really applied research, we do basic research. Establish the processes, the system, how they work, in which tumor is important or not. And that, that is what we do in the lab. That's awesome. Mm. So I want to change directions a little bit. When did you start making content on Instagram? Okay, I, I will need to check, but many time ago, many time ago. And then if I will have to analyze my account, I will have to say that we have like three different phases, okay? I am, since the old, amateur photographer, and I have been working as professional photographer for several years also. And then the first time of my account was show my photography in a creative point of view, because in that moment when I joined to Instagram, was so popular the use of these filters and apply uh, 
blurring and transitions and whatever to images and I, I started with that one and then I had to say that nobody cares about my photography so was so well, I enjoy a lot publishing photos but nobody posting photos images but nobody cares about that and this is real and then after several years I well establish a family kids whatever you know and then I hadn't time to to take my own pictures and then I, I, I think, why, why don't to post what we are doing in the lab? Images, also pictures, yeah. also shooting in the lab with my phone, and then mm, showing that to the world. And I started with that, really. And then I started to post uh, results and long captions explaining which experiment we are doing, when we publish papers, when we make a group picture of the, of the, of the lab, and then was not bad in engagement at that point, okay? I mean, I think that in general, people and labs doing that don't get millions of followers, doesn't get also thousands of followers, but not bad. It was like a typical lab showing that they were doing, you know, and then I was happy with that. And then Instagram creates that kind of content that is called Reels, that everybody knows. Yeah. Doing that. And then at the beginning, I don't enter in that part. I don't want to create that videos, no? you know, and I say, okay, why? I am happy with what I'm doing. But at one moment, I have to say that nobody cares about images or posts without reels. And at one moment, it's true. I mean, probably it's, it's about the algorithm, no? Um, yeah. Probably it's that because video itself are more engaging than static mm -hmm. images, you know? And everything. And then, Instagram start to promote Reels a lot uh, at the, a couple of years after starting with that idea, you know? And then I started to create some, some videos and publish Reels, mostly about was the imaging what we are doing, techniques, uh, using trendy music and fuse colorful images, immunofluorescence of cells, immunostochemistry of cells, no? And then, well, people love that kind of content to create videos, no? And then the, the last step, I think, that was showing myself in the camera. And then I think that when any creator, I think that doesn't matter related to science or whatever, start to show faces in, in that videos, the people engage more with that. Yeah. Sure. And then I, the beginning was so afraid and so shy, and then I record myself like one by side, no, and then don't looking at the camera, don't acting, it's just recording myself, myself doing experiments, real experiment, no. I put the video and record five minutes, and then edit a couple of seconds of that particular process that I have been doing in the lab, so culturing, monofluorescent, whatever, and then editing with music, and then and then when it started to appear, then. I get more engagement, and at the end, I will not say that it's like addictive, but everybody life likes the likes, you know. And, and, and then, after that, I started to collaborate with another accounts, this big account with big, 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 big uh, engagement, and then I, my account start to grow with that people, okay? And then once, I switched to both situations, no? starting to show my face and starting to collaborate with other people. Everything goes 
going up, going up, going up. And I will, I will have to check what, what will be my first video about making a yoke. Mm -hmm. That I is the unique content that I really know I'm creating. No joke about science research the lab. No, but in any moment I create a joke, a couple of jokes, maybe a, a, any kind of a stupid situation that happened me last day. I mean, a, and then realize that that joke people loves a lot. That joke, and then slowly I go turn into that direction. And actually, what is doing, what I am doing, is just that part, because people, I think that the feedback of the people is amazing. And the people contact me, enjoy the the jokes, and joke by, and then contact by message, I comment the post, and people are so funny, encourage me to do that. And then is just when you show your face, start to act is like the next step. It's like. At any moment, you choose a music and you have to create a script and you have to create a, a, a phrase. And if you create a phrase, you have to do something in relation to that phrase. Because if not, it has no sense. So you have to be coordinated with the text and with the mails. The music doesn't care too much. doesn't matter too much. It has to be a trendy music, funny music that the people love, not so strange. And then I start to act. And then... I am that guy, that guy that makes jokes about science, and then in one moment this goes up, 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 and that's it. And then from several months, I try to establish collaborations with another creators, and at least one per week post something in collaboration with another creators, that at the end they become friends. It's like I chat with them, message with them, we have problems in the... We have problems with the music, we have problems with addition, we have problems in science, we have problems whatever, and then we enjoy, we, we make jokes, and we make ideas, and then sometimes you create, or other people create ideas and say, oh, well, we can do that. Why don't? Let's try. And that's it. And then share posts in both channels, and I think that people love that part. It's like That's a awesome. part in the algorithm uh, at the end. It's like you want to win that that part of the process, and then you have to create and innovate in somehow to 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 improve the engagement of the of the kind. Yeah. Did you ever think that you would be making scientific humor for such a large audience? Never, 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 never. I mean, I, I think that is also a generational problem. I, I, in fact, I am not from the generation of Instagram. Sure. So imagine to create content directly to post there. I was never ever thought on that. For me, I mean, I don't know even when Instagram was created, but probably it take five or ten years to start posting anything on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I, I was not doing Instagram from the beginning of the app. I leave the beginning of the app, obviously, but. I don't create content, neither post nothing about myself or my research at that moment. It's just another issue that bring me to, to Instagram. Probably now people think about that possibility, no? to be a creator and then sure. think about how to be a good creator and engage people and get a 
nice content that engages people and get huge number of followings, comments, whatever. But I think that my generation, we found that. So as you start to do things, and then at the moment you get, oh, Raul, you are 50,000 followers. Uh, yeah, why? I don't know, but I am doing that. I know if I continue doing that, I will maybe grow or not eventually. We don't know, so keep doing that. Yeah. So what what is what are things that are coming soon? Like for Raul, either at work or work project or research goes slowly or any of the other things you're you're into. Okay, from my work we are really now writing a paper. I think it's an amazing part of the work for but just for researchers, as to say. I mean it's like in fact I now I'm writing and designing the figures of the paper, one paper. The idea is to be able to send it in of June and try to publish it as soon as possible. But sometimes it's never, you know. And, and after that, it's like a close history. And then after that, I have to have an important so have a meeting with my boss and try to direct my work in the lab towards the same direction or another direction. Depend of the interest of my boss, you know, because with that paper we close a part of the research of Kaposi sarcoma, and then it's just to decide if the lab itself want to follow in that in that sarcoma on this cancer type or what to move to another one or just do it. Okay. And for the canal, don't have too much innovations for the moment. I think that. The most innovation for the moment may be establish new collaborations with new people. I think that's. Yeah. I think that is. I say it to many people, to many creators, many people that complain about Instagram, complain about people, complain about everything, no? you know. Uh, I, I also complain a lot about the Instagram, you know, so it's, it's a common task for everybody. It's, it's like. And I think it's like a typical phrase of, of, of informatics. It's, it's, everything works, don't change it. So innovate in social media have a risk, has a risk. Is that the people will, maybe will not love what you are trying to do if you change a lot. So any innovation has to go very, very, very slowly. The transitions between innovation has to be so smooth. Because if they are so sharp, the people will go out or not. So you have to be sure that you innovate a big changes that the people will love. If not, the better strategy is to try to, well, do some innovations during doing your regular things. And try to carefully analyze if these small innovations are loved by the people or not. But the, by the moment, I don't have any important change for that kind. I think that I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And I think that the response of the audience is so good. And everything goes fine, to be said. Yeah. In fact, in fact, if I will make any innovation, it will not be related to Insta. Yeah. We related to another 
implement another social media, maybe another TikTok, maybe a podcast, maybe longer videos in YouTube. If I will do something, it will be related to that. Yeah. But if YouTube will have a vertical sure. uh, screen, I will have tried for sure. Just creating like instead of 50 second video, two, three minutes video with a quite long script. Mm-hmm. But with that limitation, it means I duplicate the work and it's too much. It's too much for me at that moment. Yeah. That's the point. And TikTok could be, but at the end, could be repeat the same in another, in another platform. It's like, why? You know? I'm happy. And at the end, it's start like from zero. So people know me from Instagram, and people maybe, if I promote my TikTok channel, probably will follow at the beginning. But if I know so different content in TikTok, which is the reason to follow in both platforms, nobody will know. And if I do double content, it's too much content to be created at the end. Sure. It's, it's, for me, it's too much. I mean, yeah. I mean, create two, three, four, five things every week. I mean, you have to develop the idea, develop the screen, choose the music, edit. Well, it's not so stressful, but it hard. It's, a, it's, a, it's time. It adds up. You need, yeah. that, you have, you need a double of time. And I yeah. have for doing that yeah for sure for sure well i know folks most of the listeners are probably already following you but for those who aren't your instagram channel is research goes slowly is there anywhere else online that people should follow along to see your journey i think i didn't catch the question i'm sorry is there like a do you have like a personal website for your work Ah, or anything else no, I don't have yeah. anything else. I don't have time. For sure, yeah. This is the point. The point is that I don't have time. Yeah. Sometimes I thought that I can create a web page to promote this merch, to promote videos, to promote any kind of stupid idea I have and sections or maybe writing something about science or my philosophy, whatever I think, you know, related to that or how, or maybe, I don't know, making workshops to show people how to create jokes or how to edit videos or to be successful in Instagram, you know. I have no time. And this is the point. You know? yeah. Many people prom- ask me, and, and we can collaborate, we can do. And, I, and for many people, I will say, okay, let, give me the idea. If you gave me the idea, I will mm-hmm. do. If not, it's not a win-win situation. I mean, it's like I have a lot of things to do. I am doing a lot of things with many people. It's like if you contact me, I don't know who are you, and then you ask me, we have to collaborate. Give me something. Give me something. Put me see, you know? Because if not, with what I am doing is, is okay. A part of this, I collaborate with many people that request things in that way. Eh? I have, I am not afraid to test that and check that uh, and promote that eh? and promote channels and, and and put these channels in my histories and save content from other people. I, I don't be afraid to do that. I don't worry about that. I mean, I think that there are many people doing better than me probably in Instagram, you know. But. If something has been created by me, it takes my time. It takes my time and I carefully need to check how to handle that. You know, it's, it's, it's not an obsession of timing, but the timing is the unique thing that you can grow. You can grow money working hard and you can grow 
recordings está ahí en All the Night in the Lab, and I can record. I, I, I am free to be one night here recording three hours if I want. Doesn't care about that. But time is that the time that I have, and I have to fix that issue. Yeah. And doing many things is so problematic. I mean, another issue will be reduce the exposure in Instagram to make content or make other things to another channel. It could be an option, but at the moment I have, I'm happy what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. So, no, and you're, you're killing it, man. So folks, go check out Research Go Slowly on Instagram if you're not already there. Raul, last question for you. What do you think all grad students should consider doing before they graduate, whether it's something serious or something fun? For social media? Oh, just in, in life, just as a in grad life. student. I always say the same. Many people ask me, many people, and I, and I will say, I always say that. I, I say, okay, guy, I am very old. And what I know in life is that you do have to do whatever makes you happy. And this is the unique way. This is the unique way. You can live, I think that you can live with yourself doing a work for eight hours per day in which you are unhappy because you spend eight hours sleeping, eight hours unhappy, many hours doing things that need to be done, cleaning of the house, renting the car, managing whatever, and then you have very few time to do whatever you enjoy your life with. And then if you get stressed during eight hours of the work, during that time, you will not be able to be happy. And I think that the end of the the end of the life is to be happy, to be in peace with you, in peace with your friends, with your family, enjoy with them. And I think it's the important, the unique important thing. What is difficult? What is really, really, really difficult is decide what makes you happy. And this is the key. Yeah. And for that, I will say, nobody can help you. Nobody can help tell me, Raúl, you will be happy Formula One driver. Or you will be happy going to the moon an astronaut. No. I have to decide to myself what is making me happy. And when I decide my myself what I'm making me happy, whatever is done, I have to try to do that in my life. And then there are people happy creating content, people happy watching TV and not doing nothing else. Um, people happy creating Amazon and create a big, huge company and creating many problems to solve. And no matter what you make you happy, but do what you happy. Can you imagine uh, Elon Musk or James Bezos or any kind of people in a huge company at the beginning of their company trying, giving all their lives in that company if they will not be happy doing that. But what I have to say is that I will not be happy creating Amazon. Maybe yeah. during a time, a part of the time of the process of the creation and raising up the company, I will be happy. But after that, it's just managing of a company. And I don't love that. I love to go with my family to beach, to spare, to restaurant. And for that, what I need is time and a little bit of money. And that's it. What made you happy, guy? Do that. 
I have, oh, if I do my PhD, if I make a postdoc, if I study that, what do you feel that? Mm. Do you feel that the time that in the past you were happy? You enjoyed that subject? If you didn't enjoy that subject, why are you pursuing a PhD in that subject? Has no sense. Maybe you love yeah, research yeah. itself and then maybe doesn't care about which kind of research to do. Maybe it's an option also. But if you are doing research in a topic that you don't love, you have a problem. And at the end, the problem will create a small crisis in you and you have to decide. I think that more of this 40s, 50s, 30s existential crisis is just because in that point of your life, people realize that they are not happy with what they are doing at that moment. So try to focus on what you are, to try to, not focus on that, try to decide when you are young what you think that will you make happy and then do that. No need to be rich, no need to be famous, no need to be win a Nobel Prize. No need to. Nobody, not everybody will love doing that part. So why you? Yeah. If you don't love that, don't do that. And I think it's the unique advice. Makes sense. If serious, joking, richer, poorer, doesn't matter. It's just to, you have to wake up and be happy with your life and have the strength to wake up without the stress. When you wake up one day and say, woof, another day to the work, but everybody say that, but thinking seriously, that is every day of the work and stressing, thinking in the work during your commute and everything, you have a problem. Obviously, nobody wants to work, but we should do that. Many of us mm-hmm. should do that. But if you go to stress, do that. For sure. For sure. Wise words from Dr. Raul Pina. From Research Goes Slowly, I'll have a link to the Instagram channel in the description of this episode so folks can scroll down and click on that and check out your content, of course, if they haven't already. Raul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much to you. Hope that people enjoy that. Hope that people can watch and listen that. Yeah. And hope that my English uh, has to be pro <laughs> enough clear to everybody. No, to yeah, it was great. Loved it. Um, waiting to, to listen to your edition. Thanks, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Matt. Absolutely. I'll see you next time. See you. Thank you all so much for listening to my episode with Raul. I hope you got a lot out of it. And if you don't follow him on Instagram already, I recommend you scroll down into the description of this episode, click that link, and check out his content. And I will see you all next week. Until then, be well. And don't forget that there is a life after grad school. Folks, thank you for tuning into the Grad School Sucks podcast. I hope you got a lot out of our episode today. If you did, please consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the description of this episode for links to everything that we covered today. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Matt Carlson, and I look forward to bringing you another great episode next week. See you all next time.